Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. We laugh now, but back in the 90s, the year 2000 still seemed like the distant future. In 1995, the internet was just gaining popularity with the general public. It was new and exciting. I don't even think Google was a search engine in those days. This is Morris Williamson. He was New Zealand's Communication and Information Technology Minister in the 90s. I was an unusual beast because I was both a minister in the government, but had also come from the world of technology in terms of writing code for uh, companies. So Williamson was well-placed for what was about to unfold. Kia ora, I'm Dallas Rees, and in this Eyewitness episode, we look at the Y2K bug, the rumours, the media and the aftermath. A lot of people remember it, most of us lived through it, and a few of us still have some questions. So how did it all begin? I'd heard people in the computer industry talking many years before about how many computer uh, packages and codes didn't have the 1-9 included in their dates. And when you got to a point where there was no longer a 1-9, what would happen to a, a date-based operating system? Back then, computers were large and memory space was small. So to save that space, computer programmers had shortened the year format. TVNZ's Sharon Ferguson sums it up quite nicely. Major software and industries like banking and airlines was built on old technology that effectively measured the date in two digits rather than four. The difference between the date ticking over from 99 to 00 or from 1999 to 2000. So this is the Y2K bug. Y for year, 2K for 2000. It was labelled as a bug because that's the engineering term for a fault or flaw. How flawed could Y2K be? Well, the fear was that computers might not clock over, the power might go out, and services like hospitals might fail. If we didn't do anything to fix it, the world as we knew it might shut down. Andrew McKee, like a lot of people, was on the fence. Yeah, I was at New Zealand Red Cross, um, and I was the sort of emergency disaster response manager, a position I'm still holding. I was a bit sceptical about it. As an organisation, we were, we were just sort of moving into having network computers and um, internet access or anything other than a phone line. So, yeah, I was a, I'm not a tech-savvy person. Um, I think we were sort of 386 computers, so it was all pretty basic. Basic, but essential. Yeah, I think it was probably two or three years before Y2K where it was starting to floated that they were coming up to the turn of the century and various um, scenarios were put forward over, over that period of time about what was likely to happen. So we've got a, you know, a sort of global Red Cross movement and I was talking to national societies and um, countries like Canada and the United Kingdom and they were really interested in what was happening in New Zealand because we would be the first country affected. 
So New Zealand is to be the early warning system for the rest of the world. The country springs into action, and Williamson is right in the middle of it. Then Jenny Shipley, as Prime Minister, felt the issue was so important. I was made Minister for the Y2K bug, or Minister for Y2K. It sounded like in the title that I was really responsible for the Y2K bug, uh, which I wasn't. I was responsible for trying to make sure that everyone was well aware of what could happen. But what could happen? When 99 reached 00, we really didn't know. So the preparations began. Ads like this one play on the radio. Y2K preparation checklists are mailed out. Articles run in the newspapers. There are fridge magnets, pamphlets and Y2K OK stickers. There's even a song some primary school kids sing. And it goes, um, Y2K, 2000, Y2K, 2000, um, a new millennium. Y2K, Y2K, This is my colleague at RNZ, Ali Ventura. And when she was a kid, it seemed more like a spooky story than a worldwide concern. And I, the reason I know I remember that is because it's an earworm. It gets stuck in my head to this day. There were more lyrics which were about what's going to happen, like what will the computers do. We knew that some, we didn't know, you know, I was nine, I didn't even know about computers, we didn't even have one at home, but we knew that there was something that might go wrong. Some of the other lyrics included lines like, will we go blind into a dying world? Will we still see children die of hunger every day? Will disease and pain be with us in the same old way? Will our minds be blown away? And will there be an end to war in Y2K? Like they were all trying to scare us, basically. (laughs) In 1999, that Y2K was coming, and you better be ready. Getting ready was exactly what Andrew McKee was doing. Being in the emergency management business, it was a good opportunity to push the emergency management message in a more generic sense, sort of building up to that time. And amongst all this preparation, Williamson is seeing the public panic begin to set in. There were many other people saying, you know, the government's going to come a a cropper because the electrical grid will no longer work and we'll have no electricity for heaps of time and the aviation system will all come undone because the control towers won't work. And I read stories where people claimed that in the United States there'd be planes just falling out of the sky left, right and centre. And of course... Every briefing we got back said, no, that's not the case. This was one of the rumours that really took off. Public opinion surveys done by the Y2K Readiness Commission show that flying is one of the activities most feared after December the 31st. One News reported this too. At one end of the scale, doomsdays are predicting planes falling out of the sky. Airlines, of course, say that's rubbish. And this was on RNZ's morning report. Probably the biggest risk to air travel in New Zealand well, where the toilet's not working at Auckland International Airport. That's about as far as it goes. But the rumours kept coming. We were told some of the cars wouldn't work because they had date-dependent chips in their systems now. But also there were things like all the traffic lights weren't going to work. I remember someone advocating that, that at midnight all the traffic lights would just all go to red and you'd never be able to drive around the town and so on. Some people had claimed old missile systems might crash in America and Russia, causing a nuclear disaster. And there were fake telemarketers convincing people to transfer their money into Y2K safe accounts. 
As the millennium crept closer, there was a rumour that foreign cults were coming to Gisborne to hold mass millennium suicides. And Gisborne Hospital had to take this into consideration when preparing for the new year. The rumours were scary, but Williamson had a fair idea of why all this panic had appeared. What was run in the media and what was run in the public is, you know, this could be the end of us all, we're all doomed, didn't seem to have that much of a, of a basis behind it. But you couldn't just ignore it. You still see people saying in the media, well, I can tell you now there's going to be a lot of deaths and the government will have blood on its hands and so on. And until the actual date occurs, you can't tell who's right and wrong because you, you, know, you can't argue against a hypothetical future. Hello. Us cockroaches have been around for 300 million years. That's 300,000 millennia, which means we know a bit about them. Remember this guy? This is Ken the cockroach. He was part of an ad campaign to encourage preparation. He played on TVs across the country. TVNZ provided this clip for us. Just affect computers, either, but your power, water, lots of things. For a few days, anyway. But don't panic, prepare. All it takes is a little bit of planning, a little bit of thought. Andrew McKee says for most people, there was one of two choices. Oh, there was people who didn't do anything, and there was people who sort of went into a bunker mentality and really went serious on it. You know, standard emergency supplies, getting food in, um, supplies of petrol, which could be quite dangerous, um, having that sitting around the house just in case all the petrol pumps went off, and withdrawing money out of the bank. And... Uh, yeah, that's right. There were also rumours the banks would freeze and people wouldn't have access to their money and hopeful rumours that ATMs would spit out cash at midnight. A lot of ridiculous things. I heard stories about people who, who had bunkers in rural lifestyle blocks who you know, were going to sit it out and fight anyone else off who came for their supplies, but uh, I'm not sure if that was reality or just sort of urban, urban myths. As we get closer to the date, there's a different kind of preparation going on. Sure, supermarkets are selling out of water, matches and baked beans... Uh, making sure they had plenty of supplies and more for the party, I think. <laughs> From the Beehive, there is a big team assembling up there, both in the Emergency Management Monitoring Headquarters and also in the Y2K Status Centre, which the Y2K Readiness Commission is running. This is Basil Logan on New Year's Eve. He was the chair of the Y2K Commission. There are six helicopter systems on standby and a lot of people manning uh, sites around New Zealand, and that's typical of the preparation for New Ze- across New Zealand. That even though people have found and fixed everything they could find, they, they, because it's complex, no one can be absolutely sure nothing's being taken for granted. There's a buzz in the air, and despite the rain, crowds gather in city centres. Fireworks are being prepared. TV networks begin broadcasting to the rest of the world. And all around the country, just like Ali Ventura, most of us are waiting in anticipation. We have pictures of us. We've got all these photos of me and all my cousins and all the aunties uh, on this one, like just on this one couch, watching our small TV, sort of counting down to. Um, and we were all staying up way past our bedtime, so we're absolutely losing it. You know, like nine-year-olds should not be up that late. Like they're not, it's not good. Um, and, yeah, I just remember sitting there going, like, getting really excited because I was like, if something does happen, like, when you're a kid, you think that's fun, you know. You think it's exciting. And there were a few hiccups to keep us on our toes. 45 minutes ahead of us, John McDonald was reporting from the Chatham Islands. 
and as 11.59 clocked over to 12, John gave us a hint of what Y2K could have sounded like. Uh, I understand the final part of the ceremony, the torchbearers are set to light the beacon of hope. John, can, was that Y2K stuff we had earlier on? I think I'm not too sure, Sean, if we can, if we can say it was Y2K or not. In fact, I would uh, I would hate to comment. In fact, I'm just going to get some people to stand out of the way of my, my satellite phone because I'd hate to uh, start the new year for them by giving them a bit of a fright. And soon after, it was New Zealand's turn. We got a count, Neil. Is it 15 seconds? This is Split Ends playing in the Auckland Viaduct. was it. Andrew McKee, like everyone else on Y2K Watch, could breathe a sigh of relief. I had a lot of calls to make after midnight on Eve, Eve just to um, tell them that everything was fine so they could all stand down and enjoy their holiday. Simon Dello reports from One News. Across the Tasman, Australia's four biggest banks say they've not encountered any Y2K computer problems. And ANZ, which has extensive offshore operations, says there have been no major glitches all across the South Pacific. Japan and the Russian Far East also report no early problems as clocks clicked over into the new century. And what was Morris Williamson doing? I, I stayed awake right through that night waiting for reports of what might happen because in politics, if everything goes well, no one gets any credit, it just carries on. But if it goes wrong, you'll just get all the blame. For Williamson, Y2K was a catch-22. For Brian Yanakis from BNZ, it was a rort. One of the um, biggest visitors around, so uh, we spent lots of money on a, on a big visit. Yanakis, like a few people, was disappointed that nothing had happened. TV1 had interviewed him on the night, and when I talk to people about Y2K today, this is one of the popular opinions. There are people that genuinely believe it was a money-making scheme. It's been called the biggest non-event of all time. There was a flaw in the computer systems, but was it the hype that helped, or the bug that was never going to bite. Morris Williamson knows where he stands. Now, I, I guess the only criticism you could have is, well, maybe we actually did more than we needed to and imposed too much cost on people. I don't think we did. I think we had to make sure those things were, to the best of our knowledge, working fine, and I think we did that. And for Andrew McKee, it's a warning for the future. I think it highlights after an event, after Kakura or Christchurch, everyone goes out and buys supplies, but I think people... Um, have very short memories and they switch off emergency preparedness until something happens. At the end of the day, Y2K pointed out a flaw in our programming. It also revealed this isn't the only time something like this could happen. 20 years from now, we're scheduled to hit Y2K38. And if you don't know what that one is, give it a Google. I asked Morris what would happen if something like Y2K came up today. My view is that most people involved in the technology world who are developing systems and writing stuff, they know about what those issues could be. They'll make sure that anything is written in a way that it will go through and have quite a lot of redundancy built in and quite a lot of backup systems built into it that if anything does start to give a bit of a hiccup, uh, the other bits of the code will take over and, and fix it up. 
and Andrew McKee? Um, oh, I think it'd probably be worse because people rely on technology so much. And I think there's people if they couldn't go online or their smartphones weren't working, they couldn't get on the internet, couldn't get into the cloud where everything, all their documents are stored. Yeah, I think it'd be, be a huge issue. Which is a good point. When our phone provider goes down for the day, people have a fit. And at Easter, people stock up like it's the second coming. We thought we relied on technology in 1999. But for Ali Ventura, Y2K was a moment in history she'll never forget. I just think, I oh, remember that. Like, remember we, the hysteria, kind of? Because none of us truly, be- I don't think anyone believed that the world was going to end. But I think we were all, like, a little bit unsure. We are kind of like, well, maybe, maybe we should just stay up just in case. You know, maybe we should watch this and see what happens. And a lot of, a lot of you know, Y2K in general, like, the, the fact that it, there was a millennium was pretty cool, that we lived through it. That was pretty great. This story was produced by me, Dallas Rees, and the engineer was Adrian Holley. We use archival audio from Na Tonga Sound and Vision and from TVNZ. The Y2K2000 song was from the Kiwi Kids Song Collection by the Ministry of Education. And our music was from Flight of the Concords. Cheers, guys. You can subscribe to Eyewitness at Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, at Radio Public, and of course, radionz.co.nz forward slash series. Please give us a rating if you can, that way more people hear about us. Thanks for listening. Kakiteano. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.